Well, hey there, this is Mitch Joel, and you are listening to the Marketing Book Podcast. It's a great idea for a show, right? Welcome to the Marketing Book Podcast, helping you keep up with the smartest thinking in the quickly changing field of modern marketing. And now, here's your host, Douglas Burdett. Hello, thanks for joining me on the Marketing Book Podcast. I'm your host, Douglas Burdett, and my goal on this podcast is to help you discover new ideas about what's working in modern marketing to help make you a more successful marketer. Don't worry about taking notes. I'm going to do that for you, and you can find them at marketingbookpodcast.com. Today, I'm joined by Mitch Joel, and we're going to talk about his best-selling book, Control-Alt-Delete, Reboot Your Business, Reboot Your Life, Your Future Depends on It. In addition to being an author, prolific blogger, podcaster, and keynoter, Mitch Joel is president of Miram, a J. Walter Thompson and WPP-owned digital marketing agency. When Google wants someone to explain the latest developments in marketing to the top brands in the world, they fly Mitch Joel in. Mitch has also been named one of the top 100 online marketers in the world. Marketing Magazine dubbed Mitch the rock star of digital marketing, and not just because he's also a bass player. Mitch is a regular columnist for the Harvard Business Review, the Huffington Post, Inc. Magazine, Fast Company, and other news outlets. His first book, Six Pixels of Separation, named after his successful blog and podcast, is a business and marketing bestseller. Mitch, congratulations on Control-Alt-Delete, and welcome to the Marketing Book Podcast. That's quite the introduction, but I love the idea that somebody out in this world created a podcast for marketing books. So bravo to you. Well, thank you. And uh, thrilled to have you on. I just wanted to start with one quick excerpt from the book and go from there. This is a time of great upheaval in business. You know it and you see it every day. In fact, the argument could be made that this is the first time in the history of business when consumers are fundamentally ahead of the brands that serve them. Consumers are more connected, more informed, creating and sharing more. They're smarter and getting smarter. The challenge is that most businesses don't know how to adapt, and most of the people who are working for these companies don't know how to change their old ways. Mitch, what was the story that led to this book? Uh, You know, when you read the intro, I think it's easy to go, well, he's the president, he's an agency guy, and I, I I can't dismiss the fact that I'm an agency guy, but my real pedigree, I believe, is in communications and writing and sharing ideas. And if you are a writer of any ilk, the dream is always to write a book. And I was that person. I always say it's like Moby Dick and all I've got is, you know, a fork and some tartar sauce. You got to go after this massive whale and that's all you got. Mm-hmm. And um, Six Pixels of Separation, which was my first book, came along. And then you sort of, oh, I did it. Okay, I got the whale. That, that was fun. It was a good ride. And there's a party that goes, what's next? And the party that goes, never going to do this again. And while I've never birthed a child, it is my understanding that that is a very similar experience that, you know, you're sort of like, as you're like, I'll never do that again. And then when you have the baby, it's in some crazy magical way that your wife will turn to you and go, maybe I can have a second. You just went through that. You want another one? (laughs) Um, And what happened for me is it's sort of a convergence of two things. One is I do spend my day speaking to very senior marketing professionals and business leaders about how they're connecting to their customers. And I was hearing this unified message of we feel like we're in hell, that the way in which we used to manage and navigate and do this is fundamentally broken. And this new way is somewhat uncharted, unknown, and still scary. So there was that sort of instinct that, mm-hmm. was, that kept brewing up. 
and I realize that they're not in hell, they're in purgatory. They know full well that they have to move towards this, but they're almost fighting themselves to do it. And I bucketed it out into these five movements, sort of five areas, which I cover in control in the first part of the book, which is called Reboot Business. And I had it and I thought this could be a good book and I sort of was, was tinkering with this notion and I was speaking to my literary agent in New York and it, it is the classic, uh, it's the classic cheesy reality of being in the shower and going, Eureka, I've got it. I literally was in the shower and thought, wait a second, if we talk about these five movements and it works, you, you, we have to go to work tomorrow in that environment. <laughs> and so it's not just about rebooting your business, but you actually have to reboot you too. It's how you bring yourself to work in this very different environment. And then when I had that reboot business, reboot you, it literally was, you know, towel over the waist, get me a pen, mm-hmm. you know? It all fell into um, place. Yeah. And, and, and from there it really clicked. And I thought, you know, I'm, I'm cooking with gasoline and it started coming. And I remember going, you know, we're at the time we were four business partners. Now that now it's just the four of us running the business for, for WPP and J Walter Thompson corporation. And, um, the CEO, Mark, who's right next door to my office here, uh, also a mentor of mine, lucky that I was able to bring him in as a business partner. I remember walking into his office and going, I've got it. It's called control all delete. And the first part is called reboot your business. And the second part is called reboot you. And he's just sitting there, you know, a very smart guy nodding. And then he goes, are we sure it's the right time? And like, you know, we should think about strategically when we want to have you focusing on a book. And then, and I, I remember just like, it, I sort of just blurted out, like my water broke. <laughs> right. like, like the baby is coming. The head is out. We're not, you know, get towels and boil water. This isn't yeah, like this one isn't of gonna those. This isn't going to wait. Yeah. And um, it, it, it really was a, a beautiful process like that. It really was one of those things where it was such an enjoyable process. And, and I, I struggle with my peers who talk about it being a hard birth and a long labor and a lot of pain uh, because I'm, I love to write and I, whenever I get into book mode, which, which by the way, book mode is on top of, so I still blog, I still podcast, I still do the things I do, book comes on top of that. Um, I feel like I'm, I'm doing my thing. I feel like I'm in my world. Yeah. When Lance Armstrong was a respectable person that we'd like to talk about and admired, Mm -hmm. he would, he would say that he was, he was biking with no chain, you know, that Mm -hmm. that sort of feeling. In the zone. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Well, the zone is sort of limited. I think, you know, like you can't be in the zone writing a book because it's like it's so long. Like you got to you got to still go home and, and play with the kids and do homework. and stuff. <laughs> right. yeah. yeah, that's great. So in the the five uh, areas that you talk about, the, like uh, you, you refer to them as movements that have, that have just changed businesses forever. It made me think of people who maybe understand these movements and have given it some thought, but in the back of their mind, they're still thinking, well, let's see if this catches on. If you could go through those five key movements, that would be great. It's like, yeah, it's it's my most dreaded question. And I, I, I can appreciate why you ask it. It's just, it, it took a whole book to go through, oh, well, you know, yeah, it's, I, so, it's so hard. Maybe no, it's, it's, it's okay. But, but, and again, like you sort of, as a media person, you're always trying to go like, what's the compact way of talking about five massive movements that have changed business forever. The most brands are doing nothing about it. And the answer is very hard, but I'll, I'll walk through. So the idea is that this wasn't about whether or not the internet's real or dated. It's about the fact that we, we have to look at things differently. So, 
you know, the first idea is not about just how you build direct relationship. It's about the challenge for the direct relationship. It's no longer just with your competitors, but it's with everybody in the value chain of what you offer to a customer and how every day that you wake up, the real thing you have to focus on as a, as a business is whether or not you're investing in the direct relationships with your customers. To me, that was really, really uh, job one. Mm -hmm. The next idea was, well, if you have these direct relationships, are you able to have this idea of sex with data or data, depending on how you say it? I say sex with data, mm -hmm. sue me. Um, and the idea of sex with data is that we lived in a world where we had linear information. I sent you an email, did you get it, did you open it? Uh, and all of advertising marketing communications is driven on that platform. There's another type of information, which is social. It's your LinkedIn profile, your, what, what you post online, things that are written about you, whatever it might be. And I call that the circular data. And the idea of sex with data is that we've probably been just fooling around with this information. Mm -hmm. But now that we have created both of these, we can bring them together, the linear and the circular, and we can have sex with data. So we can better create personalized experiences that are explicitly consensual, that add value to the consumer, that are true customer centricity, and that don't have any breach of privacy, and that privacy is the sacred trust in that relationship. Mm -hmm. You talk about how Amazon is having sex with data while Which no is one true. is watching. Well, no, we're watching. We're la we're 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 engaged in it. We're having an orgy. We're, we're loving it. You know, we, you know, my Amazon is not your Amazon. It mm -hmm. is highly personalized. It is highly relevant. It works very, very efficiently, and it works this way based off of the information that we are perpetually giving it. And we are okay with giving it more information than our spouse knows about us, because of what we get out of it. It is a social contract of equalized value. Mm -hmm. probably more value to the consumer than to Amazon. And that's the provocation is, can you create something that is more valuable to the customer than it is to you, but in that success comes things you can know to create a better relationship with that person, better direct relationship with that person. Mm -hmm. Af after that is the ability to create utility, which is new. Normally, if you wanted to communicate or send a message to a market, you had to go through a mass media channel or whatever it might be. Uh, in text, images, audio, video, on Facebook, on Twitter, through a podcast. As a business, you can create something that people actually want. That's not an ad. It's, it's a tool like this podcast. It's not an ad. It's a tool. People who want to understand marketing books will listen to this, engage with it. And then if they actually want to do something after, hopefully, because you've done a great job of it, you've built a strong personal brand by, by doing these things, people will actually call you and they'll, they'll be like, hey, who's Doug? Listen, how do I best connect to him? Mm -hmm. um, after that, the question becomes, so what do you do with your advertising communications? And the provocation that I put forward in this movement is that you can't think about it in terms of siloed channels like social or e-commerce mm -hmm. or online or offline. You have to be able to look at your advertising as when consumers are passive with their media, I'm sitting back watching, reading, whatever it might be. When are they active? I'm on Twitter. I'm creating something. I'm following. I'm liking. And on the platform that you're putting it on, is the platform you're putting on active or passive? So one of the things to sort of understand this is if you go online and read an article on an online newspaper, they're getting better at this, but traditionally it was copy and paste. It was just an article that was put online, surrounded by flashing banners. It's a passive activity primarily for the consumer, but when they're on the internet or on their smartphone, it is an active engagement. So there's an incongruous experience. Mm -hmm. And so you got to think about when you're delivering the message. And the last movement is, 
the one screen world, which is probably the biggest idea in the book, I think. And it's probably the one that we have the most conversational points around, which is this idea that it's not about three screens, right? The computer, TV, or mobile. It's about the one screen world. The only screen that matters to the consumer is the screen that's in front of them. So when Twitter says, well, a lot of people are using Twitter while they're watching the Oscars, that's true, but their right eyeball isn't on their Android device while the left eyeball is on the 60-inch plasma. Uh, there's all, they're watching a screen, and then they're like, I'm on to another screen. And brands, I believe, have not embraced that. They still live in the world of what's my social strategy, what's my digital strategy, what's my e-commerce strategy, what's my email strategy, and I think that's a bad strategy. I think you need a one-screen world strategy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, Tom Webster talks about that when his mobile commerce revolution book where he's saying well, it's not so much about the technology, it's about the person, what they happen to be doing at that particular moment. Yeah, um, I think that's one part of it. And Tom, you know, Tom is one of the smartest human beings I know and funniest and sarcastic. Um, the idea is more like if I'm on a subway train watching a YouTube video, it's very different than when I'm sitting in my office with my cans on hunched over a desk, which is very different than when I'm watching it perhaps on my Apple TV and I'm sprawled out on the couch. And it's more about not in the context of where I physically am, it's also with the content that's created for it. You know, if I'm eight feet away from a screen versus I've got that screen right in my eyeballs, how you actually even create per experience is only one little small faction of what you can do. Right, because the other thing is you can create content for that. I'm going to sell to you on YouTube, Douglas, because you've got a marketing book podcast. Or I can say as a brand, how do I become a part of that culture? Mm -hmm. Right Now I'm suddenly a channel and I'm creating things. I'm additive. I'm not just an interruption in it. I'm a welcomed part of it. Mm -hmm. So the complexity of the one screen world isn't just about technology, screen size, where the customer is. It's, it's everything and more. Let's move on to the, just a touch a bit about the second part of the book where it offers guidance to people about how to navigate through this new world. And one of my favorite parts that you talk about is the squiggly, the squiggly road. Yeah, I mean, this is a, an interesting story where it's like you, you meet an old friend for lunch and you have a conversation and both of you leave going, holy crap, that was unbelievable. I was with a friend of mine. We'd gone to high school together. And I don't know if you do this. I'm sure you do. But like on Facebook, you'll like reconnect with someone and then you'll like go and see them for lunch and you haven't seen them in 20 years. And it's like you just pick up right where it's like because you grew up together. Like, oh, really yeah, each yeah. Other. It's an amazing. Uh -huh. In fact, I've been doing it a lot as I get older because I actually really love that feeling. Um, so I'm with my friend and she was actually said, I think it was engineering, it was engineering. And she, why did she go into engineering? She went to see the guidance counselor at the end of high school. And they said, well, you're good in math. Why don't you try engineering? So she went into engineering and post secondary education, did really okay in it, kept doing it through college slash university, depends what geography you're in and became an engineer met her future husband, had kids, you know, I don't want to say white picket fence, but white picket fence house, uh, life is good. And then she goes, I'm not really happy. I'm <laughs> really happy with what life this, I just, have, you know, I just, you know, like you, like you talked about at the beginning of the podcast. And, um, I said, it's so crazy. I just like flip and comment, right? I said, it's so crazy how like you made this random decision because of this guidance counselor in grade 11, and this is your life. Now, that could have deflated a room on a bad day. 
it's crazy. We have this thing in our lives where, but on the other hand, when if you and I were to say, hey, let's jam on who the coolest leaders are, my guess is there are people who like, I don't know, I wasn't happy in school, so I left school and I, I did this jobs and I got enough money and I, I bought a record store and then I met this person and you know, you're starting <laughs> the Richard Branson story where it's like, what happened here? You know, how did mm-hmm. you have an airline? How do you have radio stations? And and the point is, is that the most interesting people that you and I know that we would say are the most interesting people had a very squiggly career. It wasn't linear like my friends. Mm-hmm. And we look at these linear careers and we think that that's actually the trajectory and I don't think it is. I think we do live in a world now because of technology and connectivity where you can embrace the squiggle. You can actually do these things like my career is very squiggly and others have been as well. And when you look back on it, you can go, it makes perfect sense. But looking at it forward, you'd be like, don't do that. Don't make that move. That would be a bad move. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and in the book, you talk about how the most successful people often have these squiggly careers. And it makes me wonder, amongst other things, if the fact that somebody realized they were unhappy and then made a change and saw how much happier they were and looking back, it looked very natural if they become more comfortable with that at a younger age. And I think it's also exposure. Like people's like people, I, I just, I'll do like hour long, you know, CEO type interviews for radio magazines. And mm-hmm. whenever I try and unpack it, I, I come somewhere else. I wind up somewhere else. But what it does come down to, I think is also just being a third child. You know, it's like by that point, I think they've given up and they're just like, let him, you know, he'll figure it out. And I think because of that, I was not that it wasn't neglect. It was I was really I really had a lot of time to think and try and do and see and and observe for my other two older brothers Mm -hmm. um, to really see what what trajectories they were taking. And one of them was extremely linear and the other one was actually very squiggly. But. I had parents that almost that I think also embraced the squiggle. I, I I don't know if I could say why. I'm sure they would very much like to take credit for everything, but um, it's interesting to me. Like I, I spend I go to the TED conference every year. I'm very fortunate to be able to attend that event, mm-hmm. and you know I have these conversations with people, and I just leave always going. It's, it's just like it's almost like as much of a miracle as it is as, as the fact that we're even like born. <laughs> you know, it's crazy. You know, it, it's true though. I always hear about how the younger ones might be more creative or bigger risk takers. And like, I think I heard the U S Congress is composed two thirds are our oldest children. So maybe there's something about that. It's interesting. I didn't know. It's interesting. Before we wrap up, I, the last part of the book had so many things. I had to get a new highlighter, but you talk mm-hmm. at several points about how it's so important for marketers to read more. And you listed a number of great books that you suggested. And you said, it's amazing to think that for less than $200, you can buy the most cutting-edge thinking. Most of these books offer the kind of content that they don't teach in universities. And I found that to be very true. And also, you talked about how uh, if you don't have a passion for reading and writing, find one. Yeah. <laughs> great, I, great advice. Yeah. I don't I, – it's, it's mind-blowing. Like, you feel like, oh, my flight was delayed. And I said, life is inconvenient, but I'm always like, I can't believe on my iPhone I've got a Kindle app with like 600 books on there. That's the crazy – or like I've, I use Pocket to share – to save content that uh-huh. you can read later. And you don't have to be connected to the internet. And you've got like – I've got 8 million articles that I have, say, there are, I don't know how many. Mm-hmm. It's almost inexcusable that we're not educating at the level of which we can. It's, you know, you don't have to go to a bookstore. You don't have to go to a library. You don't have to, it's all there. And 
the fact that you're you're using that time to play Candy Crush, it's it's crazy to me. It's, just, it's crazy to me. It makes me crazy. And again, it's not a judgment. Right? I'm, try, I'm not trying to make a judgment on people. It's just for me. It just, I, you know, I'll, I'll get in, I'll crawl into bed, and somebody will love to go. Especially, you know, this time of, of year, they're going to hop onto Netflix and binge watch House of Cards. And right. I get it. It's, it's it's I get it. I just I would much rather write a blog post or read or try and. And may, look, maybe I would even be inspired because that's actually a really good show. It's not like watching some, you know, sort of reality show where you're just trying to get rid of your reality. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't, I, I don't even understand people who don't read. I just don't understand it. I, I have no computational ability to understand it. Yeah, it's probably almost. You almost feel sorry for folks. I yeah. say you're not judging them, but wish that you could share that passion. Well, before we wrap up, let me ask you a couple other book questions. Are there any marketing books you've read recently that you recommend? Yeah, um, I, you know it's funny. The one that I've I've read, I, it's sort of like I feel bad talking about it because it has a level of nepotism to it. But it's a book called "Let the Elephants Run," and it's written by David Usher. People who know my content will know that at the end of my podcast, the music is actually David Usher. And in Canada, he's a very well-known musician from this band called Moist. We've been friends for longer than both of us would care to admit because then it would expose ages. Mm-hmm. And we wanted um, that. that. And um, he was looking to do other things, to speak and write books. And so we very much, I was very much a part of the conversations that led to it. And I have components of me in this book. But the truth is I was skeptical about him being able to write a book because he's a rock star. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I thought it would be, you know, co-written by someone else and stuff like that. But it's a beautiful book and he wrote it really, really well. And I think he really pulled together his life as a frontman in a very formidable band along with what it takes to be creative in this very, very complex world. And I love it. It's called Let the Elephants Run. Well, we'll make sure to link that up. You know, there's so many interesting parallels you see to marketing and the music world. I mean, your your own career is an example, and there are others. There's books about that. Uh, Jason Miller and, um, um, and Matt Collier. Oh, sure, Matt. Matt yeah. Collier. Uh, he he talks about the analogies of that, and there's been books about uh, how you know marketers should mimic what Lady Gaga has done, that type of thing. Are there any marketing books on your upcoming reading list? Yeah, uh, well, marketing. I mean, books. books I, I, anything, I, I've yeah. started because I had a very in-depth conversation with uh, Stephen Kotler, who co-authored along with Peter Diamandis, who's the guy behind the X Prize, a book called Bold, um, which is a book that is a, I don't want to say the follow-up to another great book called Abundance, but it's sort of like it's another book like that that I'm I'm very 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 interested in. Hmm. So I'm excited to really dig a lot deeper into this one that would be the sort of one that's sitting here on my desk that i haven't you know let go like let fall by the wayside because sometimes they do fall by the wayside mm-hmm. but this one's still sitting here so i guess i should have said what books are on your upcoming reading list today <laughs> yeah i mean i do I, it's funny because i tend to read a lot uh, what i find now is that it's not necessarily even new books but it's more like different types of books like i'm very much i believe that there's a a massive correlation between success and people who understand the dynamics of stand-up comedy and someone said oh you got to read food by jim gaffigan as a stand-up comedian so i'm reading that Mm -hmm. um seth godin has been pushing me to read this book the gift by lewis hyde which is uh a really, really interesting book too. And I'll then sort of flip in and out of stuff and get into, you know, like books about writing and just weird stuff like that. So Yeah, and there was a great interview you did with uh, James Altucher. 
Love James, yeah. Uh, about stand-up comedy, and I, I particularly enjoyed that one because in lieu of a midlife crisis, I started performing stand-up comedy. Oh, look at you. <laughs> so which marketing blogs do you enjoy following? Mm. Now, this is the question I ask authors, and they usually mention you. Oh, well, that's, that's really funny. You know, it's funny. I don't check my analytics, so it's very hard for me to say, yes, I know that I have a level of... <laughs> I can tell you people who are in this space who write that I just I, I just really have a deep love for, and uh-huh. those are people like Avinash Kaushik. Yeah, yeah. I have a deep passion for the words he creates, David Weinberger, James Altucher. Uh, you know, I'm very honored that I got to know a guy named Mark W. Schaefer in very, very early days of his, you know, getting his feet wet type of thing and seeing his massive success gives me tremendous joy. I mm-hmm. don't understand the pace by which people like Jay Bear and Gary Vaynerchuk produce content. It's, mm. it's dizzying and, and you're saying that. Mitch Joel's saying that? Yeah, you know, I've, I've sort of had a slower year than I usually have, but these well, guys really are, are machines. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, and I'll, you know, of course, Seth Godin, who I think is just um, yeah. one of the greatest human beings to ever exist. And I'm inspired by a lot of other people, too, like, you know, Jeannie Dietrich. I'm inspired mm-hmm. by Anne Handley inspires me. And I, I'm saying this and I feel terrible because it's almost like when you're accepting an award and you're forgetting to mention your wife or, or a parent because – they a lot of these people in fact most of them have really become friends and i really mm-hmm. i've i'm so lucky to be in a world where i'm not just reading bloggers i'm i'm actually reading people who i who i break bread with mm-hmm. and who i care about and who i hope have very long and successful lives and who i get very upset with when they are upset so yeah. i could go on and i'm probably leaving out a lot of people and then i and i apologize well it, it's not a fair question yeah. so how can listeners find out more about you and your book Oh, you know, this used to be a really easy answer, but because we've moved from Twist Image over to Miram, they're sort of like I'm in purgatory with some of my links. So the oh, best well, then they place, can come to my site. <laughs> yeah, it's no, takes over. Kidding. I would say that the best place right now really is to go to MitchJoel.com, and that'll redirect you. Right. Unfortunately, probably to a Twist Image URL, but that will soon be a Miram agency URL, and I look forward to that. Right. Well, Mitch, thank you very much for being on the Marketing Book Podcast. My pleasure. I think it's a great idea. Well, that closes the book on another episode of the Marketing Book Podcast. Links to everything mentioned are in the show notes at marketingbookpodcast.com. And while you're there, make sure to subscribe to the podcast newsletter so you can get notified of every new episode, its show notes, links, and resources. Also, at marketingbookpodcast.com, you'll find about 20 free ebooks on topics like internet marketing, social media, email marketing, blogging, website design, search engine optimization, lead generation, and marketing analytics. I'd like to thank everyone who has left a review in iTunes or Stitcher. I really appreciate all the feedback and encouragement. And the more reviews the show gets, the more exposure it then gets within iTunes or Stitcher so that it can get discovered by more people like you. Thanks again for listening to the Marketing Book Podcast. Till next time. This Valentine's Day, Dunkin's got the perfect pairings to show your love. So get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a cocoa mocha signature latte. Or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit Dunkin' refresher with a Cupid's Choice Donut. Are you ready for love? America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer.